Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast, Season 3. I'm Rob Shear, the founder of Comfort Cases and your host. Together, we have made such a difference in the world. We've met with leaders and change makers in the foster care system. We've met with charities and philanthropists, celebrities, authors, and so much more. We'll continue to bring you guests who will share how together, as a community, we can bring about change. Welcome once again to Fostering Change. So it's so exciting. We are here on another episode of Fostering Change. You know, it's so hard to believe that as we have gone through this year, how many things have changed? You know, each and every one of us had changed compared to 2021, much less 2020. You know, the thing that I actually reflect back on quite often is um, what is my purpose? You know, and for me, I've always talked about taking my pain and making it into a purpose. Um, you know, for those who know my story, know that, you know, the system was my pain. Um, and, you know, I had to have a purpose, you know, besides being a successful banker, I wanted to get back to my community and learn from my experiences of my past. And that's exactly what our next guests have done. You know, I am a true believer that as a nonprofit, it is my social responsibility to do everything in my power to get other people to talk about other nonprofits. And I was very fortunate to come across Foster Nation um, several years ago, actually, is when I actually was introduced to Maggie. And I knew that in the back of my mind, there would be something that we were going to do together. Because I truly believe that we do not need to be on separate islands. We in the nonprofit arena need to be together because we have one mission, and that is to make tomorrow better than it was today. And with my next two guests, that's exactly what they're doing. I am so, so unbelievably humbled to introduce Kate Somerville. Kate is from the Kate Somerville um, skin line. By the way, I have some right here, and we're going to talk about that. And then my friend Maggie, who is actually the founder um, of Foster Nation. Maggie and Kate, welcome to Fostering Change. Thanks Thank for having for- us. Yeah, so, we're so I want to dive right into this, Kate. So you have this amazing skin line. Um, and you and by the way, one thing that I read about you, which I absolutely love is that, you know, wanting to teach empathy, you know, that is something that I say quite often. Empathy is something that is not in our DNA. We are not born with it and it must be taught. So what made you decide to partner up with such an amazing organization like Foster Nation? Well, it's it's a crazy long story, but I grew up um, in a home that unfortunately my mom was an addict. So she was an alcoholic and drug user and ended up dying homeless. So at age um, nine, she left my dad and I, and my dad had the responsibility of, of, you know, caretaking me and, um, And it was tumultuous, it was so tumultuous because I had to spend every other weekend with her and every holiday. And, and then my dad remarried and I found myself kind of out of place. I, um, I ended up leaving home at 15 and I started just kind of couch surfing with my friends 
And I really understand what it's like as a kid to be in chaos and to be in survival mode, you know, making sure I had food, clothes, you know, getting through school was, um, you know, I'm so glad that I had a really great boyfriend at the time because his family kind of helped me along. Um, and I was able to get good enough grades to graduate high school. And I had a great counselor in high school when he saw I was struggling because my last year I was living on my own um, with friends here and there. And my counselor, his name's Rick Talley. And um, I hope he listens to this because he was one of those guys that just changed my life and kind of saved me in a in a tough time. And I had enough credits to graduate early and he could see that I wasn't going to make it because I was starting to not come to class. And because I had other, I had other problems, right. I had to put food on the table and pay for rent and, you know, eat. And so I ended up getting out of high school early and just, you know, living in chaos, you know, and also dealing with my mom's stuff and watching her kind of dwindle. And when my team, we were looking for another campaign or social mission because we, we had done um, a lot with ocean plastics because um, I, I really love the ocean and the skincare industry obviously deals with a lot of plastics. And um, so one of my uh, incredible marketers, his, um, his name's Simon, Simon came to me and he said, you know, Kate, I think this is going to change your life because I did a lot of speaking events to kids, especially in that teenage era, because they're going through a lot of skin problems, but I started talking to them about my story and a lot of them were in tough situations. And he was like, this is such a good fit for you with foster kids because these kids kind of lived the way you did, you know, in your earlier years. And I think that you could really inspire some of them that you can make it, you can make a successful life, even though your start was a little rocky or really rocky. Yeah. And like so many, um, so it many made kids, sense. Yeah. Like so many kids that are in the system, you actually, um, the only thing that's different that I would say is that you just didn't have the word foster in front of your name. Um, but you exactly. were experiencing what children, um, what I even experienced. I, I'm very much it's so weird. I'm listening to your story and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, our story is so similar when it comes to that, you know, chaos in our lives. And then, you know, I say this quite often. You had three choices, Kate, by the way. Choice number one, you could have given up. You could have done exactly what your community expected of you and given up. You know, you had, you know, not the best role model, you know, understanding the the, the world of addiction and mental illness. Um, yep. Number two, you had the choice to give in. And basically giving in means that you would have committed some petty crime, ended up behind bars, um, teenage pregnancy, all of the things that we see. Or the third thing, which is what I'm hearing that you did, was you gave it all you got. And you, by doing that, you've been created, you actually created this amazing skin line, but now you're giving back. And then Maggie comes into the picture. 
you know, oh um, you know, Foster Nation comes into the picture. And yeah. this is, you know, one thing I love about this, Maggie, is I get to, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about Foster Nation and what is so important about your organization. But Kate, I have to say kudos to you, because you are doing exactly what our corporation should be doing. It's called corporate responsibility, corporate responsibility. And I know that when I pull my wallet out to buy my daughter or my son's skincare products or, or whether it's hair products, I'm always looking for the corporation that has shown corporate responsibility. And my friend, that's exactly what you have done with your line and supporting um, the amazing organization that Maggie has. So Maggie, I'd love for you to tell our listeners what is Foster Nation and why did why did it start? Sure. Um, thanks for for that, Rob and Kate. Obviously, I just adore you. And and going back uh, to what Rob was saying, I think this idea of corporate social responsibility is huge, and we're so so excited for this partnership. But high level, um, the mission of Foster Nation is to engage the community to provide resources, social support and career mentorship to help foster youth become self-sufficient when they age out of the system. So our overarching mission is really to help foster youth know that success is not impossible, even if they were dealt a horrible hand in life. And this is kind of a little bit of kismet too, because you know Kate's kind of big, I guess, mission or tagline with, with Kate Somerville, the skincare line, is to defy impossible. And we had no idea that that was, you know, also that's that's what we say. We always say we want to help foster youth get from impossible to I'm possible. And from there, it was just love at first sight, everything, you know, all the fireworks. But, you know, in the U.S., about half a million children and youth end up in the system through no fault of their own. And there's so many obstacles that they face while they're in the foster care system, being separated from their siblings, psychological trauma, moving from home to home, feeling unloved and unwanted. Um, you know, just as an example, we work with foster youth that have moved through 40, 50 homes before they even turn 18 years old. And quite honestly, the hardest part is when they turn 18 and have to, quote unquote, age out of the system with no one to turn to for support and help. In the U.S., the national average age of, you know, a, a youth or a child or youth leaving their biological home is 26 years old. And so, you know, how can we expect foster youth at 18 or 21 to age out and just be on their own with no support at all? And so our goal as an organization is really simple. We're here to open doors of possibility for foster youth as they make that transition from foster care to adulthood and with amazing partners in the community like Kate Somerville and some of our other um, community partners, you know, our our mission is really to remove those barriers to success so that they are prepared for the real world and that they can chase their dreams even when the odds are stacked against them. Yeah. You know, Kate, I have to ask you a question that is really been tapping on my heart. When it, you know, you became a successful businesswoman, um, such an amazing role model. Um, was there a time when you were embarrassed to tell people where you came from? Because I know for me as a kid who grew up in the system and was homeless my entire senior year of high school, when I got into business and started becoming successful, I was scared to tell people because I was scared that they would judge me for where I came from and not where I'm at. Did you have that feeling at all, Kate? You know what? I didn't. This is a funny story. I did a charity event about... I think it was about 15 years ago, maybe 10 years ago. And um, we had opened 
a big, big spot in Chicago. And before we opened, we did this big charity event and they asked me to speak. And I talked about how I grew up and how my mom was homeless. And, you know, I cried on stage and we had a really um, incredible, successful night from me telling my story. And, you know, for me, I got off stage and um, this woman came up to me and she said, don't ever lose your vulnerability because after I got off stage, um, I had what, what Renee Brown, who is an incredible (laughs) researcher, she's like, you know, uh, when you give too much of yourself, you start to have what's called a vulnerability hangover. And I definitely still have those when I share a lot of myself, but I have to be honest, like, because I grew up, like I got into skincare because I had eczema and I was, you know, as a kid, I had, you know, crazy issues and it didn't look good. And I was embarrassed and I got into skincare because I knew that I knew what it was like to feel uncomfortable in my own skin, right? My skin was always a problem. And so when I learned about how to heal myself and learn to heal others, um, I realized really quickly, oh, okay, because you said this earlier, um, you know, why are we here? What's our purpose? And sometimes the bad things become the tool to, to shape us so we can fix things not only in ourselves but in others and so I have never been embarrassed because my mom had her master's degree she was gorgeous she was incredible and my dad was incredible um both had drinking issues but um you know that's life like and it doesn't hit just the rich and the, I mean, the poor and the, it hits the rich too. We are all one. And we have, especially with, with addiction, like it hit, it doesn't have any borders. And so for me, I got to really understand and see, because I'm also in a treatment room every day, I get to, to really meet people from all walks of life, like big, huge celebrities to just normal people like you and I that have everything in common. And so for me, I'm like, okay, like I can heal this in someone just by sharing my story. And so it's funny because Maggie was telling me a lot of people, even herself had a really hard time, um, admitting or showing where they come from. And I just never, I almost used it. And maybe this is how I survived. I almost used it to get where I needed to go. And, and a lot of my friends and family, um, or my friends, um, they saw what was happening in my family and they stepped up, you know? And so I don't know, I just feel like it happened to me, but I, I now wear it as a flag, like this is happening in the world and we can heal it and we can help, help you along. And that's what Kate Somerville, our company, not only myself, but our company wants to do. We want to wrap our, our arms around some of these kids that, that want to get in the beauty field and say, you can do this. And for me, you know, here I was, I was trying to get through college. I did not graduate. 
college. Um, just, you know, too much turmoil for me. And I went to aesthetic school, which was, you know, a six month course. It was reasonably priced. I was able to get out of beauty school and make a living for myself very quickly. And so that's what I want to share with some of these kids, because you don't, you know, listen, some of them like Maggie can get through college, um, but some of them don't have that wherewithal. And this is an opportunity to get there quick and be able to start a life and put food on the table. Well, let me tell you something. Before we take this break, I'm going to tell you, I completely understand that. My husband, who actually has his master's as well, actually put himself through school as, you know, someone who does hair. Um, and my daughter, who is getting ready to graduate high school, um, you know, she came to her father and I and said that she um, wasn't ready for college, but she wanted to go to beauty school. And she that's what she wanted to do. And, you know, of course, my husband, you know, I'm the business guy. And I was like, like, yeah. okay, my husband was just like, you know, so listen, we're going to take a quick break. Guys, I'm telling you right now, do me a big favor. You know, I, I know my ask is a lot sometimes, but I want you to visit Foster Nation. You know, every single dollar that we donate to a charity that is truly impacting our community. And let's not forget, your community is not your zip code. It is our human race. So if you're sitting in Texas right now or Florida or even in Illinois and you know where Foster Nation is, it doesn't matter. Because if you invest in a child's future today, you invest in your future tomorrow. And I'm telling you that 30,000 kids will age out of foster care this year. 70% of them will be homeless within a matter of two years. It's got to stop. And we're going to talk about how do we stop it when we come back. We'll be right back. This episode of Fostering Change is sponsored by Comfort Cases, a national nonprofit that inspires our communities to bring hope and dignity to our youth that are in foster care. For just $10 a month, you can support the Comfort Case mission and help us eliminate trash bags for kids who are entering foster care. For every $10 that you give, Comfort Cases will give a Comfort XL to a child entering the system. Be part of the change. Visit comfortcases.org. Wow, what an amazing first half. You know, um, I say this quite often, you know, to meet people, um, it really absolutely makes my heart smile when I meet amazing humans. You know, I say it quite often, it's our responsibility to be good humans. And that's exactly what I have on my show today is I have two unbelievable, amazing, good humans. You know, Maggie, um, I have to tell you, for me as a kid, and I've said this before, I, I kind of wish that there were nonprofits out like yours when I was a kid who aged out. Um, you know, I remember when I aged out that I would um, wait for all the kids to leave the cafeteria and I would go in and I would dig through the trash and gather as much food as I possibly could because I didn't know I would eat that night. Um, I still, and I, I write about this vividly in my book, but I still have food insecurities at 55 where we have this thing at home called the hamburger helper rule. And by the way, we do not eat hamburger helper in the sheer family, but I must have certain number of boxes of that in my cabinet. And the reason for that is because when I look within that cabinet, I need to make sure that my inside is full from what those boxes are showing me. So can you let me know exactly 
what what are you doing at Foster Nation that that's truly impacting um, our youth for tomorrow? Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, everyone listening to the podcast would know COVID has been incredibly tough on on all of us, um, but particularly on people who don't really have family um, to rely on. Right? All of us were kind of rushing home to shelter with family, and I think um, a lot of times in moments of crisis, you, you don't realize that the people who truly, truly need help are, you know, are really kind of invisible, right? Like we're all worried about ourselves and we're at Whole Foods gathering everything possible. And uh, meanwhile, so many of the foster youth that we work with um, in California were dealing with, you know, food insecurity because they were going hungry and going really for several days without eating because the college campuses had shut down. And for many foster youth, that was their only reliable source of um, food security. And so when the colleges shut down, thousands of foster youth in California went hungry. And so when we heard that that was the number one issue, we set out um, to obviously solve for that right away. And so we launched Meal Nation, which is um, a food security, um, food insecurity program that ensures that foster youth students here in California had access to a meal a day for 30 to 60 days or up to 90 days. And our goal was really to make sure that this was a soft gap program, that they had food while we matched them with a navigator to help them apply for public public benefits like CalFresh. And to date, you know, we launched this program in April of 2020, right when the pandemic and lockdown happened. And uh, to date, we've served over 70,000 meals and um, we are now in 60 colleges in the state of California. And um, it's been it's been incredible to see the organization grow in that capacity. But also, I think, you know, when to your point, Rob, when you grow up in the system, you have certain experiences that where you know what it's like. And for people who have never had to go hungry or who've never had to think about, you know, where their next meal might come from. It's it's kind of, it's striking, right? To think about, oh, if I didn't have food, what would it be like? And you know, to going back to your story, I also grew up in the foster care system, and my sister and I used to do the same thing. I, I vividly remember being in elementary school, and a lot of times in the different homes that we've lived in, you know, we've had foster parents put locks on the fridge, and the only meal we had was the free lunch at school. And so, you know, we wait for all the kids to leave and we'd stay back for an hour or two hours. And then we jump, we dive into the dumpster. Like it was, you know, it was almost kind of a sad, you know, I can see it in, almost in a movie, kind of a sad scene, but also we were kids. So we didn't know any differently. You know, we were, we were just in there looking for chips or whatever food we could get. And, you know, for so many of the foster youth who during the pandemic didn't have anyone to lean on or go to, this was this was a program that really gave them relief and helped them with just knowing that they had at least a meal a day that was going to be you know delivered to their door or they could go pick up at a restaurant and that was something very intentional on our part was during the pandemic everybody was in lockdown and we wanted to make sure that we met foster youth at their door that we didn't ask them to go to a food bank to pick up cans of food like you know, how are they going to eat or even cook those cans of food if they don't have a can opener? If they're I, know, I always wonder that. 
I always wondered that. It's like, you know, I will go to a food pantry with my kids to donate stuff and I'll see people who have given them like a bag of beans. And I'm like, how do you know they have a crock pot? You know, so I love that you you thought about that ahead of time, you know, and I will tell you and, and Kate, you know, to hear these kind of things, I know you probably just like, wow, this is you because you've lived it too. We all three of us have yeah. lived it. But you know, what the thing I know is that these the youth that we are protecting today, they don't want to stand in a soup line. No. I'll tell you something. These kids don't want that. Kids. They have to go into foster care. They came into foster care yeah. with the choices other people made. And then we as a nation cannot make the right choice and make sure that they're fed. And here, you know, Maggie, how do you get your funding besides amazing humans like Kate who write you checks to help this program continue on? That's a really great question. So we rely, honestly, so in April of last year, we just launched a crowdfunding campaign where we asked everyone in the community to help us raise money. And it was $8 would provide one meal, right? It doesn't matter what you're going through, you can donate $8, right? And I think that was what contributed to the success of this campaign because it was so tangible and palpable. Like people understood that, you know, if I just gave $8, it meant one foster youth, you know, was having a meal. And over the course of this program, you know, we've expanded because we learned really quickly that so many of the foster youth were sharing that one meal with their two kids or with their three kids. And so, you know, when we, when we learned about that, we eventually made sure that if you had three kids that you were getting, you know, three additional meals. And so a big part of what powers this program is really just the support of, of donors, of people in the community, and of course, of incredibly philanthropic companies and like Kate Somerville and some of our other community partners that we've had. But, you know, with this, with this program in particular, going back to the intention of it, we were you know, it was kind of, it was a pilot initially. And as we were going along, we learned all these challenges from the foster youth directly. We check in at 15 days after they've been receiving meals. And we wanted to know what issues they were having. Some foster youth couldn't, you know, they had to walk for five miles to go get the food. Or some foster youth um, lived in food deserts. Like the only thing around them was a Carl's Jr. And it was 10 miles away. And so we, found incredible partners, corporate partners like Freshly and tech partners like Bento that really helped us meet foster youth where they are rather than asking them to go and get a handout. You know, this really was a hand up, like we are here um, to support, to, to just help you get through this because we're, we're in it together. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Kate, you know, when you hear these type of numbers of what your company's dollar is doing and how it's impacting the youth that are right there in California, how does that make you feel? Well, it's incredible because when I met Maggie, I had no idea the the statistics. Like I didn't know that I was like, you know, 0.1% that made it something, you know, for me, I was like, well, I just did what I had to do. But um, I also didn't have it as tough as some of these kids. Right. And so when I heard that over 50%, like out of at 18, they're given a trash bag and said, you know, you're on your own. Here's a list of shelters. Like, would you put your 18 year old in a shelter, you know, with no food, no friends, or, you know, hopefully they have friends, but 
you know, it, it was mind blowing to me, the statistics. And I'm like this, we have to do something. And, um, you know, Kate Somerville's donating scholarships too. So, That's incredible, by the way, let me tell you, something. Yeah. you know, one of the things I say, and I, and I, and, and by the way, as, as our listeners and our viewers, I know you're going to tap that one person that needs to be tapped. We need to set these kids up with an education pathway that is open unconditionally. And that means you wanna to go to beauty school, you wanna to go to auto mechanic school, you wanna to go to a college, you should be able to have those doors, but we must give them wraparound services. We must continue the wraparound services. And, and what you said is 18 in the trash bag and hopefully they have friends. I will tell you, the youth that I meet throughout the country that have experienced foster care, including my own son who was 18 when he arrived in my home, has no friends. And the reason for that is they have no connection. They are, the, they're insecure about connecting because they've been burned so many times. And then they're moving all over the place. So they cannot build the bonds that, that you know, we, we, we should be building in our youth age. And that's why we see the statistics that we see today. Um, you know, Maggie, I have to tell you, you know, for our listeners and our viewers, what is the one thing that you would say that could impact your organization for them to do right now, today? Sure, Rob, I, I feel like that's a loaded question. There's so many things people can do, of course, but um, I know you said one thing. I'm going to say two things, yes. um, if that's okay. You know, as a nonprofit, of course, we we are operating, we're kind of the boots on the ground. We do our work and it's all possible because of donors, right? It doesn't matter if it's a dollar, if it's $10, you have no idea the collective power of everybody contributing to, to do something good, right? So that's one part of it is, is to donate, to support the work that we do in the community. But really, you know, if that is not something that maybe you're in a place to do right now, I'd say the one thing that, that truly makes a huge impact um, with organizations like mine or even yours, Rob, or really any uh, nonprofit that's serving foster youth is to really donate your conversations or your connections, right? A lot of times people think that they can only donate money to a nonprofit. And of course we, we need the money to be able to do the work. But oftentimes if you take the time to really just donate your conversations and small talk about foster care, you know, whether it's you go over you know, uh, to a friend's for dinner and on the drive there, you were listening to this incredible podcast and at dinner, it's a, it's a table conversation, right? You might be shocked how that will help people to do something or take action um, around this problem, whether they ultimately become volunteers, donors or foster parents. Um, the idea is that if you donate your conversations to talk about this, it really helps to raise awareness and, and shed light on this issue. And you never know who it's going to touch and compel to act. Let me tell you, you're exactly right. My friend Jennifer Perry, who's the co-founder of Foster Moore, they did an entire media blitz on Talk Around the Water Cooler. And um, that's what each and every one of us should be doing, is each and every one of us should figure out a way. Let me tell you something. You know, you made it, you, you, you said the $8. Most of us spend more of that at that overpriced coffee shop that we visit. So, um, you know, I remind people that all the time, that if they would just not go to that overpriced coffee shop just one time during the week, there they could feed a youth who is experiencing foster care. And, you know, let me tell you, I will say this, number one, to my listeners, to my viewers, go out and buy 
the this product, okay? And let me tell you the reason why. Because when you buy Kate's product, you're actually helping my friend Maggie's organization. And that to me is a win win. It is a win-win. And that's exactly what we should be doing. We cannot wait for our government any longer to step up and take care of our youth. We as a community, and understand something, our forefathers built communities for one reason, only one reason, and that was for us to take care of each other. Simple as that. So by you buying Kate's skin line, it is helping Maggie. And what Maggie is doing is she's helping the youth who's in foster care. And what that youth is going to do, they're going to help you in the future. They're going to help you in the future. Ladies, I will tell you something. This was an unbelievable talk. I am so, so excited. But I have one question before we wrap it up. If you had a magic wand, Kate, and you could change one thing about all the things you've learned about foster care, what would that thing be that you would change? Wow. I mean, well, first off, I feel like every time I come in contact with a foster kid, I want to wrap my hands around them. And the one thing I want to tell them is this too shall pass. And I say this because when you're a kid, you don't have choices, right? I mean, you have little choices, but when you have a parent or someone that is in charge of you, you don't. When you're 18, you're an adult. And now those decisions are yours. And you can start making really positive decisions. And listen, I know how hard it is to survive and just get by, but I really would love to tell them this. I know this was a tough start and you're going to have to undo and unravel a lot of stuff throughout your life because of it, but now you can start making really awesome decisions for yourself and you can have a successful life. I am sitting here right now because I had a moment where it was like I was going down the wrong path and I knew I was and I had a mentor. Her name was Barbara Wells and she looked at me and she said, you know, you have a choice. And I said, well, what do you mean I have a choice? And she said, you have a choice to make your life whatever you want it to be. And I didn't know that. I didn't know I had a choice because I was, I was in chaos my whole life. It's the only thing I knew. And when she told me that, I said, that's it. I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose a good life. And I created it. So the one thing I could say to the, these kids and, and Maggie, like, let's just keep telling these kids they have a choice when they're 18 and this too shall pass and let's give them the hug and the lift up and the encouragement to keep going. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, I say this often, you can either blame the system or you can help me change the system. It's simple as that. It's a choice. It's a choice to stay and be the victim or it's a choice to step away and say, you know what, that was then and this is now. And my now as I own it. Maggie, if you could change one thing and all the, the, the things that you've seen and you've heard and you've lived, if you could change one thing today in the foster care system, what would that change be? Wow, that's, a, that's another, that's a doozy. Well, I think from my personal experience, uh, it's, it's truly that transition out of foster care. I think that... Um, you know, when, you, when you're growing up in the system, you're looking forward, you know, not in a good way, really, but you're looking at 18 and, you know, now it's 21 in some states, but you're looking at 18, like, 
you're about to go over the edge, right? And and that's why you know Foster Nation came about because I realized that transition from foster care into the real world just didn't exist, right? You know, and and for those of you that are listening that are unfamiliar with the statistics, it's it's crazy, but 50% of foster youth end up in prison or homeless within the first two years of emancipation. And, you know, more than 50% of foster youth report $0 in wages earned in the first four years after leaving the system, because who's going to make sure they have their basic needs let, met, let alone, you know, being able to go out and, and get a job. And what's to me the wildest statistic that I learned um, coming out of the system was that one in four former foster children and youth will experience PTSD, which is two times more likely than PTSD, you know, than US war veterans experience PTSD, which is so wild to me, right? And so for me, if there's anything that I can change now about the system, it's that we really look at foster youth when they're entering high school and even earlier and really help them come up with a plan for when they're aging out because there was no plan for me. It was, here's the, here's the trash bag, you know, here's a list of homeless shelters and good luck with your life. And so as an organization, that's what, that's what we aim to do. And that's what I'm hoping, you know, all of our um, partners in the community and our donors and supporters will also help us do because it's, it's impossible really, you know, when you age out at 18 with nowhere to go and no one to turn to. And for me, I just, it was a very, very tough time aging out of the system and, and learning how to find my own voice, how to um, articulate my story. And going back to the question you asked earlier about shame, I, you know, I went to Dartmouth. I was very fortunate. I worked very hard, but I was also lucky. And when I got there, I did not tell a single soul that I grew up in the foster care system because I just didn't want to be different, right? And, and no one talks about foster care in in way of the success stories and so you know i i'm hoping that in the next you know three to five years or even in the next decade that we can truly make sure that we provide all of the wraparound services and also you know any sort of readiness training for foster youth to know how to deal with life in the real world so that's for me that's that's really the biggest thing Wow, I will tell you, um, at 55, there are times that I'm not ready for the real world. And, right. you know, and if I had the ability to change, I would set every single one of these kids up who are aging out up for financial success. And I believe we can do that in my lifetime, because I believe that if we can pay a stipend to a foster parent, there is no reason why we cannot take a stipend and put it in an interest bearing savings account for a child who's aging out. And we do not hand them a trash bag, but instead we hand them a checkbook. You know, listen, everybody, this is another amazing episode of of fostering change. And I want you to do me a big favor. You know, Kate Somerville product, I want you out there. I want you to send me emails at fosteringchangecomfortcases.org. Let me know what you think. I know what I can tell you that it's amazing, but then also visit my friend Maggie's nonprofit. Visit fosternation.org. Spread the love. Spread the love as much as you can. $8. Come on, guys. Don't go to the overpriced coffee shop. <laughs> Get up my friend at Foster Nation and get that $8 to her. Yeah. I hope everybody has an amazing day. I wanted to add one more thing because sure. in, in, in May, we are launching Exfolicate, which is our, our number one product across the world. But we had 38 foster kids come and do an art project. 
And what we did was we asked them to draw a piece of art of what defy impossible meant to them. And we got the most amazing art. And in May, our packaging launches with the winner of that art project. And we are donating proceeds for every bottle that's sold. And Sephora is behind us with this too. So in May, you'll get actually her artwork and it's exfoliate our most iconic product. So um, yeah, please watch out for that. And it, it does help foster nation. Hey, listen, Kate, make sure that you reach out to me during that time, because I would love to make sure that we put that on all of our social media. It's National Foster Care Awareness Month, and we want to do everything we possibly can to uplift each and every one of us. And if you're lifting my friend Maggie up, that means you're lifting up so many thousands and thousands yeah. of people who are experiencing foster care. Listen, ladies, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Whether you're listening to this on one of your podcast platforms, or maybe you subscribe to our YouTube channel, we hope that you got everything out of it that I got. And today, my heart is smiling. Take care, everybody. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening or watching the latest episode of Fostering Change. All of us on our team hope that you've learned something new today and have been inspired to be a good human. Now, just a reminder that you can always find Fostering Change on your favorite channels on Google, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and others including, of course, ComfortCases.org. I want to give a big thank you to all of you for joining us each and every week. And a reminder that if you have a suggestion for a guest, or maybe you might have a question about today's podcast, or are interested in becoming a sponsor of Fostering Change, please don't hesitate to email me personally at fosteringchange@comfortcases.org. Now, that's it for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.